Hey, welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. I'm honored that you're taking some time to listen to this. Every Monday, we'll be coming to you answering questions that you submit. Feel free to send in a question, hashtag RG Podcast, and we'll be talking about stuff in the church, in the world, and of course, in sports. Really glad that you're here. All right, well, welcome to another special edition of the Rusty George Podcast, everybody. We uh, decided we hadn't talked enough sports as of late, so... Um, Not at all. With the NBA inauguration upon us, uh, we, we're going to take on that subject. So I'm Josh, the online campus pastor. Uh, Rusty is going to take over and uh, run the show today, and he has a friend in the house. So Rusty, you want to introduce our special guest here? Yes, we have uh, Mike Penberthy with us, who's no stranger to real life. Spoke for us several years ago on Father's Day. Uh, been in Santa Clarita for many years, but a graduate of the Masters University now. Oh, was you. was college. Um, played for the Lakers for a season, won a championship in 2001, I believe, the second of the three-peat. And then played overseas for over 10 years, I believe. Yep. And now works as a um, shot doctor, for uh, lack of a better term, for many NBA stars today. And leads kids camps and just an all-around good guy and uh, a great person to talk to, especially about the NBA as it gets going. So, Mike, thank you for being here. It's good to be here. Thanks thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, Mike, well, let's just let's get right to it. Um, the NBA has tipped off, and there's a lot of talk, obviously, about the Warriors. They added Kevin Durant. In my opinion, they gave up a lot for him. They gave up a lot of rim protection. Mm-hmm. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are still the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron just seems to get better every single season. And he's got some key pieces around him. Right. I would argue that Jordan's still better because he did more with less. <laughs> I agree. Um, and I would say even Magic Johnson's better because that's just personal preference. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, tell me a little bit about, let's talk about the Warriors right away. Um can they succeed with so many scores? I mean, now that we've seen a game, which we saw last night, and they got drilled by the Spurs, is there going to be a problem there? Is it just, hey, they'll be okay in a little bit? Um, what do you project for them this year? I think everybody on that team is going to have to make some form of a sacrifice. I mean, mm-hmm. when you add a Kevin Durant, you got 27 points per game average. You know, let's say he's taking 20 to 25 shots per game. That's going to drop. Somebody's got to give up something. I mean, you don't just add. Right. Shot attempts where you've lost them, uh, you know. So he's he's going to be um, unique to put in the in the mix. Uh, I think Clay Thompson gets hurt the most by this. Um, I think he loses mm-hmm. shot attempts because I think mm-hmm. Kevin and and Steph will will dominate the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, in my opinion, Draymond Green sinks the ship. I think he's he's got uh, attitude issues. He struggles with. Um, Fitting in, he he clashes with everybody. It seems like, and at some some point, it's going to get so frustrating that there may be two, three, four games where he doesn't get touches. Yeah, and I think the locker room goes goes awry because I think Clay is the type of guy that will just he'll he'll wear it and leave, or Steph will will just take the ball and do his own thing like he did last night in the third quarter trying to bring him back, yeah. or uh, KD's just going to shoot when he shoots. So. It's, somebody is going to crack, and the only guy that seems like the immature one to me is Draymond, and he's already he's already had issues in the locker room previously on a team that was winning mm-hmm. eighty whatever 72, 72 wins seventy three wins last mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. seventy three wins, and there was locker room issues with him. So what happens when it, he becomes the the weak or too weak 
um, you know, missing piece that hasn't touched the ball and right. is asked to do all the little dirty work. He's not Rodman. Right. Rodman didn't shoot. Right. So, you know, the issues with him have always been, well, I don't get touches. You know, I don't get, that's, where it, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like you're, you're taking a guy who's filling holes, which he does, rebound, block shots. Mm-hmm. He, he helps on defense. He overhelps. Mm-hmm. And that brings up our next, the next situation, which is rim protection, which you brought up. I mean, yeah. Bogut used to be above the rim where mm-hmm. Draymond would make the mistake of overhelping. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. gets over there too far, overhelps, and Bogut cleans it up. Mm-hmm. Either with a rebound or or with a blocked shot, mm-hmm. Bogan ain't there. Azili mm-hmm. ain't there. So mm-hmm. you've you've substituted two, you know, high pretty high level centers in terms of being above the rim mm-hmm. yeah. for Verjao. For Verjao, does he still for, sing for the Counting Crows? <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> I, I just still, yeah. yeah, off and on. <laughs> okay, um, but um, so you, you got Verjao and you got Pachulia. Right. So who's and you saw it last night. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody was trying to get to the rim. And that's going to yeah. be an issue. Yeah, especially with LeBron because he's just going to attack. Right, and, and everybody will exploit that. The rim, you know? Look, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of players in the league that will go to the yeah, rim every yeah. time. And they're mm-hmm. the best shooters in the league, but they can't uh, right. stand up by the rim. So. Okay, a question about Kevin Durant. Um, somebody you've worked with, somebody you know. Mm-hmm. His move from Oklahoma City to Golden State. Yeah. Okay, from my perspective, and you and I grew up watching the NBA at the same time, the only difference is, is you actually played in it. Um, you would have never seen Larry Bird lose to the Lakers and join the Lakers the next year, or True. Magic the other way around. True. So, was this a good move? Is this Durant saying, I don't even care what people think about me, I don't care about my legacy, I just want to win a title, this seems to be the path of least resistance. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the era we grew up in... Nobody, no player, is mm. leaving to play with the team they just lost to. Right. Um, that being said, what if Charles Barkley was a free agent and Michael Jordan called him mm-hmm. and said, "Come play with us"? What What's he going to say? No, is he going to say no mm-hmm. to the team that's won a championship and then lost? Let's say they, let's say the Bulls lose in the finals and then he calls them and they come. I mean, like, mm-hmm. so it. I mean, what do you say if you're Kevin Durant and you're being pursued by the best team in the league? Right. Other than the fact that you lost to LeBron. Like, it isn't that easy of a decision when you flip it. Like, if I'm trying to be Kevin Durant, do I want to stay here in OKC and and deal with this situation, which is Russell Westbrook, who's, you know, just full speed, pedal to the floor, maybe makes a lot of, in my opinion, makes a lot of bad decisions in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Shot selection's awful. Turnovers are bad. Gambles on defense. Mm-hmm. Three of the main three <laughs> things that, that right. you want to control in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, and then Steph Curry is asking you to come play with us, and the manager's saying, we got room for you, huh. what, what do you do as a player? And you, you know? get a call from Jerry West. And you get mm-hmm. a call from Jerry West. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the decision was that easy, you know, I just, I just think it would have been. I don't, I don't think Larry would have ever called Magic, and Magic would have ever called Larry. Right. Ever, they would have never made the phone call. Right. But what if that happened? It you is know? a different league because of the friendship level. I mean, yeah. these guys are friends with each other on and off the court. Oh yeah. You didn't really see that back in the '80s and even the '90s. No, not at all. They hated each other. Yeah, and they, and they still there's tension with guys you know that are 15, 20 years removed mm-hmm. from playing when you see them meet and shake hands and. 
and they they're just friendly yeah. but they're definitely not hugging each other like they do now you know so that ain't going down okay well let's talk about the uh the question that's most on everybody's mind that's listening from where we live how long till the oh, lakers <laughs> till the lakers are relevant mm. again in term you mean how long before they make the playoffs uh, yeah i'd say the playoffs and we're talking about you know, moving up in the seating and possibly being able to make the finals again. So in the West, let's say you got to win 50 to make mm-hmm. the playoffs. If the Lakers win 30, Luke Walton should be coach of the year. I mean... Really? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because you're playing with with young players. Like, I, I, it's hard to explain the just the, the mental... Um, you know, confidence of a veteran player. Like, the, mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs basically play the game against the Lakers without even knowing who those guys are. Like, they're so mm-hmm. mentally tough that it's like, I'm guarding that guy. Who is that? What number is he? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, they're above them. Like, you're just flying by them. So, there's a mental toughness when you're a veteran, and there's a lot of those teams mm-hmm. right now. And, you know, if Memphis had stayed together, I would say, you know, it'd be a little bit longer. You know, but they kind of broke up, kind of dismantled a little bit, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I think mm-hmm. they lost a lot of momentum. Guys are getting hurt. Right. Zach Randolph's the end of his deal. Brought in a new coach who doesn't want to play old style, right. high low, you know, type action that that their coach in the past was, who's now in Sacramento. But right. so I think Zach's better. I think I do think Cousins will mature. Mm-hmm. He has to. He just mm-hmm. get older in life. Denver's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is is restarting, but they still have their guard core. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like the West is getting weaker, right? So Minnesota's getting better, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, so they are. Yeah, you, they're much Tibbs better. They're now. a lot better. Yeah. You know, Tibbs is going to you know control the ship. So right, your your Clippers are still the Clippers. They're still the third best team in the West. Yeah. So. The Lakers still have to win, and they added another 18-year-old. Yeah. Right. Who's 180 pounds? So it's just you're you're looking at you're looking at four, three, four years. If there was one player in the league besides the obvious, yeah. besides the top five that we could all talk about, one player in the league that the Lakers could add that would immediately make them not contenders but relevant, who would that be? Um. Well, other than the top five, I mean, is Paul George in your top five? He's pretty close. Okay, so he's top. He's top ten. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of guys like um, like Drew Holiday. Okay. That guard the ball, ball hawking defender, super yep. athlete, shoot it, score it, seventeen a game off the bench. Yep. Uh, guy, I love guys like Reggie Jackson who are mm-hmm. attacking the rim. Lived at mm-hmm. third in the league at points in the paint. Amongst guards, right? Scored a lot through through the ball, and he's young, kind of up and coming, probably teetering on that mm-hmm. all star. Um, I felt like they had a chance to add guys like Joakim Noah. Right. I felt like mm-hmm. they had a chance to guys who were just winners, right? And demand that type of stuff. And I, and I wish they had gone that route with as him. opposed to Timothy Mosgoff. As opposed yeah. to Mosgoff, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I just think you cr- you change the culture. Mm-hmm. With a guy like that in your locker room, and if you know you have three, three, four years to buy, mm-hmm. why not do it by start resetting it that way, right? And then going a different direction. So, my thought originally was, why don't they go get Joe Keem and mm-hmm. change that immediately into a defensive mind? He, you don't do anything. 
Right. He could do everything mm-hmm. on the back line. Right. You know, and once he got hurt last year for Chicago, their assistant coaches were telling me, we had to go teach defense because <laughs> he used to call all the defenses. Wow. So I remember I asked him, like, what's the biggest loss with Joakim Noah? He's one of my clients. I said, they said we had to go teach defense because uh-huh. he called every defensive read for everybody all the time. So he's going to impact New York in a great way. I mean, I think New wow. York make, has more wins just because of his presence. Um, you mentioned kind of the the, the veteran leadership thing. Mm-hmm. Help me understand why the Lakers are fascinated by Meta World Peace. <laughs> I mean, they keep signing him to one-year deals, and then they talked about if he doesn't make the team, he'll be a coach. Yeah. Is he really that good in the locker room? I don't know. I mean, apparently, maybe, maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know Meta that well. To say that he's going to be a great coach. Right. Or I don't know anything about Meta to say he's going to be a great coach. I know he's played a long time. Um, <laughs> Most of the time we hear him speak, we just think he's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times he starts talking and you're just wondering, what is he going to say here? This is going to be a soundbite for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or you're just like, this guy's, we need to get away from this guy. He has nothing to add. You know, because right. he's just, in, he's in a different place all the time. Right. But I don't know what the infatuation with Meta World Peace is. I do know he's, uh, He's an amazing defensive player. Right. You know, so if he can communicate what he knows defensively, he's an asset. Because he's all about one-on-one. Yeah. Right. I mean, he and he was back when, when I when he was playing, I think he was playing 15 years ago, I think he still was. Yep. He was guarding the best players as a rookie. Right. And it was nose in their chest, I'm going to guard you. Was he better than Shane Battier? Yeah, I didn't like Shane's flopping. Oh, I'm okay. Not, I'm not a fan of flopping. Oh, he's a Duke player. Yeah. Those guys are always cheating. I'm not a fan of the floppers. Um, and I felt like he took advantage of the rules in that regard. Yeah. Meta was hard-nosed, we're going to play, let's go. You right. Know, refs just stand and watch. You know, let's let's see who wins this battle. Right. I love that about Meta. But I think, I think he brings that to the team. Huh. So maybe it's that influence, that toughness. We had Frank Hamlin mm-hmm. as an assistant coach and Jim Clemens. I mean, they were no-nonsense, tough, let's get in your face, let's play hard. They mm-hmm. wanted no calls in practice. You know, guys are getting slapped, deal with it. If you're bleeding, we're doing a great job type of thing. So right. Meta's that way. And I think that, you know, Brian Shaw's on staff there now. He's from that era. So he's probably wanting huh. that intensity on the defensive side. How big of a difference does a coach in the NBA actually make? We talk so much about, like, players and right. whatnot. Like, how big of a deal is well, a good coach on an NBA team. Your greatest coaching job is by having the most talent you can get. Yeah. So you, you're you not – I don't care who – look, Flip Saunders is a great coach, mm-hmm. but he won 17 wins. Hmm. So he wasn't a great coach. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it just, oh, at the end of the day, you look at their wins and losses and say, is he a good coach back? So it's – but you only win. You only, you're only going to win with talent. So mm-hmm. it does matter your ability to manage egos. Tyron Lue learned that from Phil Jackson. I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Kerr numbers. probably did. Steve right. Kerr, mm-hmm. same thing. Popovich is great at it, although mm-hmm. he does it in a different way. I mean, even like Brad Stevens, um, you look at the way he's dealing with the Celtics yeah. with no stars there whatsoever. Right. Yeah. And they're a playoff team. Yeah. yeah. Very. I mean, you know, the league voted him what the best coach, best coach in the league yeah. outside of Pop, I think. Is mm-hmm. what he yeah. Was. So. Um, so your staff is is preparing for games. They're doing all the research. They're doing all the you know film watching all that. The head coach is really the guy managing the egos. And so you're getting the best of both worlds. Now you wonder about a guy like Doc Rivers, mm. you know, who was about to be fired. Brings in three you know Hall of Famers. Now they're winning. Right. 
Suddenly he's a genius. Suddenly he's a genius. Then they go the Clippers and they're struggling. Right. And a lot of it's injuries. I'll give them. I'll I'll give them that out because your greatest, you know, threat to to any season is is injuries. I mean, it doesn't matter. Are the Clippers losing their opportunity? It seems like their window's closing. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're only getting older. And right, league, and the other younger players in the league are only getting better. But do we look at this coming year as the final year of this experiment? And then Griffin is he a free agent at the end of this year? Do they start mixing some things up? Well, I mean, if you're that guy, was an embalmer. Yeah. If you just spent yeah. that much money on a team, are you going to wait another year? Right. You can you can make some changes. So I just don't see him saying, "Let's give it one more. Let's spin this wheel again and see if CP Blake and and DeAndre can do it." I mean. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would be doing the best I can to get Damian Lillard down here. I'd be doing the best I can to get, wow. to get you know guys in here that are going to support Damian Lillard and DeAndre Jordan. I think those two guys are are phenomenal. Yeah. Right. You know, here's a good question: If CP3 and Damian Lillard switch teams, do the Clippers win the championship? Hmm. No. What else do they need? Well, they need to not be the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the Laker blood. The Laker. I think that's the main thing. I don't know. I I think that there's something that's just missing, even with Lillard here. He might be a younger version of Chris Paul right now with two good knees. But Mm -hmm. it just seems like there's there's just that that mental edge that some of these guys have in the playoffs Mm -hmm. that um, they don't seem to have. And I don't know if they just get in their own way or if they're punching their – you know, uh, yeah. locker room attendance or whatever, but um, it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's a strange thing. And I, I can't talk about CP3 without bringing this up. The day the Lakers died uh-huh. was, was David Stern ix yeah. made that deal, because that yeah. would have been another two or three championships for Kobe and and the Lakers, and I'm still bitter about that, but I'm yeah. praying about it. Yeah, we, have, it. we have therapy and, and the Holy Spirit, so. Okay, let me ask a, a few other questions here. Um, why is it certain guys can't shoot free throws? It's all mental. Really? It's 100% mental. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at a guy like Shaq. His hands are so big. It's like throwing a yeah. tennis ball. Yeah. Is it? Is it just I've missed enough to think now i got to think about it a lot? Yeah. I, I, it's, and here's how you know it's mental. Um, as it pertains to Shaq, we would shoot in practice, and he'd make 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. He'd run off 20 in a row. You know, there would be no yeah. free throws weren't. There was no pressure. Um, there was there's something that happens though with a guy like Andre Iguodala, who I've worked with, who makes two pressure free throws against the Bulls to win the series, 2010 I think it was, mm-hmm. and and then can't make a free throw in the first quarter. Mm. But Shaq would do the same thing. What's he always say? I'm making one account. You know, mm-hmm. always right. When it counts, I'm making them. You know, he always says it all the time. So the first two quarters, it was like he would, ah, uh, whatever, I missed it, missed it, missed it. And then the fourth quarter, he'd zero in, and he knocks down six of eight. Right. Now, you know, that's it's it's for sure mental. It isn't uh, mm-hmm. a physical skill set. I think they're up there throwing up bricks, you know, because right. you know, his hands being big do have something to do with it. Yeah. But when he focused and zeroed in, he knocked them down when they mattered. Yeah. So uh, it's all mental. Is the because um, the game has changed quite a bit. Is the low post game obsolete? I wouldn't say obsolete, but it has changed. They've moved you to what's called the dunker spot. Dunker spot is that short corner, and they and they and they <laughs> play out of the short corner. We call it a dunker spot. So you're gonna you're gonna pick and roll, you know, hopefully roll strong, 
unless you're Dwight Howard, roll strong, and then you're going to empty out opposite the ball into the dunker spot so that when the guard turns the corner or they swing the ball and somebody else drives, right. the big man helps, and you're catching and dunking. Right. That's what the game has become. Um, so you're first you're required to screen, which not a lot of bigs do. Then you're required to roll. Now, that depending on your weak side help, that, that may be a short roll. That may be a long roll. That may be just a bulldozer roll. Where you're just taking out everybody on the way, right? Um, and hoping to clear space to you know end of the game. That's what they do with LeBron. He just uh-huh. the other guy just rolls in there and just tries to uh-huh. take out everybody. Jason Thompson. So, um, but depending on that, your short roll happens. And then out of that, your bigs have to be able now to play as point forwards. Mm-hmm. So they're making decisions at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're getting real technical here, but mm-hmm. your your pick and roll now is your big man short roll. Look at the rim at 15 feet, and you got to read the weak side. Right. So now you're playing almost like an option. You're reading the deep defensive end over there right. as a big man. You're taking a dribble and finishing, or you're taking a dribble and passing, or you're taking a dribble counter, looking at weak side, looking now strong side corner. Right. Or you're swinging it, you know, to go to a ball screen. So it's a shot pass decision there. The greatest ever at it was Kevin Garnett, mm-hmm. the modern big man who really changed the game was Kevin Garnett because he could pick, pop, decide to shoot or pass. Mm-hmm. and move on to another option mm-hmm. better than anybody else. He never hesitated. Mm-hmm. It was like he knew, I'm going to just catch and move it on, then get in another ball screen with Ray Allen or, or whoever it was. So that big man role changed there. And then, he, then he started rolling and dunking on it, and it was all kinds of mm-hmm. things. But the game, just from saying that, has changed in that regard too because it used to always be pick and roll. Mm-hmm. It was never pick and pop. Right. Never. No. And it was always wing pick and roll. Yep. Never high ball screen, which I think, you know, D'Antoni really changed the game in that regard. But the guy who was best at it originally was Tony Parker and Tim Duncan. Because huh. they would set that flat ball screen. Uh-huh. And then Tony would cut coming downhill yeah. and get sliding in there and do his little up and unders and layups and floaters and all that. Because right. he could shoot jumpers. Right. Anything on the wing is going to get you into pull-up. Right. Well, they didn't, he couldn't shoot pull-ups. Right. So they got him going downhill. So it was just genius in that regard to change that. Is that a variation of the triangle? Which action? Well, just the whole, there's so many decisions that everybody's allowed to make. It's no longer just run the play. Yeah, I mean, the big man has to be able to make those decisions now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But, again, now we're talking about guys like Dwight Howard having to make those decisions where he didn't used to be that guy. No. He used to pick and roll, front rim roll, uh-huh. right to the front, and we're going to you know, we're gonna throw it straight down to him and you're going to turn and dunk. Shaq was the same way, although Shaq could have done this because right. he was a fantastic passer extremely unselfish right um but uh your big men never never did that big men never mm-hmm. did that you know um but you know marcus all can do it no, Pau, he's brilliant Pau can do it right um Porzingis can do it right you know joe King noah really invented it because he was getting short rolls all the time and having to make moves out of it he'd spin out of it and then he's almost over you know too unselfish Making right. passes, if you watch them in the preseason, it's fantastic. But, so there's a lot of guys. I created most of the stuff I do with players out of what Joaquin did huh. in that short roll option. You know, So he had to make those quick reads on the weak side. And with today's game and how long and athletic these guys are, right? They, those big men have to be really good at that. It's almost like with today's game, you can be a tweener, mm-hmm. as we used to call them, mm-hmm. and have a career. Yeah, a Draymond, Draymond Green. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's Solomon Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, he's. I think he's the next. You know, step for them is to move him to the four in, in New Orleans, and play the Draymond Green role. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned Dwight Howard a couple times. Have we seen the end of him? You know, he has to just do what he does. Like mm-hmm. you know, you're if you're good at getting 15 rebounds and blocking shots five times, mm-hmm. 
and you can pick and screen the crud out of some guard mm-hmm. and get that guy open and then roll. You're going to have you a long have, career. And you have Kyle Korver behind you. Right. You're not going to lose a game. Right. If you just do your job in that regard and not get petty about who's touching the ball, he's going to be great and they're going to win. But I just think he's, he's trying to become the modern big. Mm-hmm. And he's never been the modern big. So why, why not just be yeah. who you are and let the coaches adjust the offense to fit the personnel? Which mm-hmm. is what, you know, that guy's a great coach out there. I don't want to over-spiritualize the game of basketball, but I do think that what you just said right there is so profound for all of us, just to be who we are, mm-hmm. who God created us to be. Mm-hmm. I think for me, my 20s was pretty much trying to be everybody but me mm-hmm. and figure out who I am. And I remember something that you said to me one time that, was it Harper? Ron Harper used to say to you, mm-hmm. just be you, Mike, just be you. Yep. And some Sundays you text me and say, just be rusty just today. Be and that's yeah. been really encouraging to me. And what a great word for not just Dwight Howard and NBA players, but for all of us just to be who we're supposed to be. Absolutely. So thanks for that devotional moment in there, whether you meant to or not. Perfect. Okay, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of questions. Just yep. tell me first thing to come to your mind. Most underrated player in the league? Underrated player in the NBA? Gordon Hayward. Ah, uh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Guy. yeah. Gordon Hayward. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, he's he guards, and everybody in the league respects him. You ask yep. any player... Who's a good player that you think, dude, this kid can play? And the Celtics really want him. Gordon yeah. Hayward. Oh, he's good. And yeah. he, Second coming guard, Larry Bird. He guard, three, <laughs> he guard three or four positions. That makes um, okay, best shooter besides Curry? Well, Clay Thompson. Hmm. I would say Clay Thompson, better shooter. Barkley came out last night and said he thinks that Clay Thompson's the best yeah. player in the league, both sides. Yeah, besides. Well, I would, and I and I know I understand where he's coming from because Clay does guard. Yeah. He can guard the ball. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll actually guard. You look at top scorers in the league, Harden, Curry, Lillard, <laughs> Durant. Yeah. They're not playing defense, you know? Right. So, he, Michael Jordan, which is why I say he's the greatest ever still, he guarded the ball. Right. Yeah. He guarded everybody's best player, and he stopped them, you mm-hmm. know? So, you can be the top scorer and defend. You're a great player, but... Uh, Clay Thompson to me is the best shooter. He, I can understand that point though in terms mm-hmm. of two way because he does actually defend. Best passer, uh, Ricky Rubio. Okay. Best defender, Kawhi Leonard. Mm. Best teammate you ever had, Shaq Barnum. Really? No question. Um, laziest teammate you ever had? Ooh. NBA. <laughs> I'm NBA. NBA teammate. Not Masters College. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it was probably Ron Harper because there's a ton of stories behind this, but Ron would play golf. Uh, you know, he enjoyed a few beverages, uh, you know, after the games, (laughs) he would never do the warm up, and he would wear sweats to practice. And then after the first set, he would be like, Mike, you're in, let's go. (laughs) So he would do one set with the starting five and then go sit on the med ball and be like, Mike, you're in. So I'd go yes. and Phil would just laugh and go, all right, whatever, Harp. And so Ron Harper was the laziest, but but it wasn't because he was an old vet. Yeah, right. I, mean, I, would, I would have done the same thing. Right, yeah, he had bad knees, too. <laughs> um, most underappreciated teammate you ever had? Horace Grant. Mm-hmm. Horace Grant did so much for yeah. that team. I mean, he guarded, you know, Tim Duncan when nobody mm-hmm. wanted to. Right. And he guarded Chris Webber. When nobody wanted to, you know, he guarded the best players in the league at that time, Kevin Garnett, 
and he and he never got fanfare for it. That right. guy was benching like four hundred pounds. He was strong as an ox. Wow. He yeah. won what five in 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 Chicago? Four. Uh, three. Three. Was and he went to Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. He went yeah. to the finals with Orlando. Yep. Yep. And then he won. He won one with me in two thousand one. Yep. So he was just. I mean, he was a great teammate. Mm-hmm. He didn't complain. I mean, he taught me a lot about being professional, but you know, nobody talks about him. I mean, he's an mm-hmm. amazing power forward. Okay, uh, Kobe just retired. Mm-hmm. You played with Kobe. Mm-hmm. Give me just a good Kobe story. First one that comes to mind, uh, we're playing in practice. Um, we did a lot of transition drills in practice because Phil wanted us to get our cardio in practice. He didn't like us running the lines because uh-huh. nobody likes to run lines. So <laughs> we started doing this two-on-one drill. Kobe and Devin George are coming down the court, and I'm back to guard both these two monsters, these athletic monsters. Throws the ball. De- Kobe comes at, looks at me, throws it to Devin. Devin gives it back. Kobe takes off the jump. I move over like I'm going to take a charge. Kobe flies over me. He tucks his knees, and he says, come here, Rook, and he dunks it. And he went all the way over me <laughs> when he did it. So I literally just moved and lo- just watched him fly over me and dunk the ball. So nice. And you're 6'3"? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my it goodness. Freaky. It was freaky. <laughs> Okay, they say hitting a curveball off a major league pitcher is one of the hardest things in sports. They yeah. talk about speed in the NFL is such a huge jump, even from college athletics. What's the hardest part about playing in the NBA? Guarding an, an NBA player coming at you full speed. Mm. You're not going to win that. I don't care who it is. Yeah. So once these guys get going downhill at you, and, you, and there's a let's say there's 25 feet between the two of you, let's say it's half court, to yep. the three-point line, you're losing every time. Imagine that being a six foot nine, two hundred seventy pounder, mm. LeBron James. You know he's winning championship. Yep. So you're you literally have no chance when you when Isaiah Thomas in Boston, the smallest player in the league with the ball, or you know Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. the oldest player in the league last year, is dribbling at you. There's a pretty good chance they're going to. I mean, I would put it in the ninety percentile. Yeah. And if it's a guard, you forget about it. If it's in Chris a college Paul, yard. If it's, if it's Kobe, Chris Paul, I mean, yeah. just, you have no chance. Who comes in second each in each conference this year? Um, Indiana comes second in the East. Wow. I think they lose to, to Cleveland. They made some nice moves over the offseason. They really did. They really did. Um, you know, before last night, I would have said somebody else, but I think the Spurs, you know. Yeah. Um, they're not dead yet. They're not dead. I don't know that Golden State wins. In the, in the West, hmm. um, and I'm not saying that because of what happened. I'm saying that because look at the look at the the, the compiling of super teams has never won the first year. Right, that's right. Miami didn't. The Lakers didn't. Nope. With three Peyton. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah, with Peyton. Oh, Miami man. Heat were amazing, and they lost. Right. Um, so yeah, you just don't see it. You just don't see it click like that. You know, um, that quickly, and especially when you're adding. You have three shooters now. Right. You have three. You have three of the same position, basically. Right. Okay. Last question: If you were the commissioner, what rules would you change to make the NBA better? No charges. Uh, No charges. Just like the All Star Game. (laughs) Listen, you either block the shot at the rim, or you get out of the way. Really? Or it's a foul. Yeah. Okay. I want to see all the athletes above the rim. Four point line. Put a four point line out there. Really? Let's see the guys really shoot it. Um, I would do, um, you know, I'd like to see the game shorter. 
Okay. You know, um, I'd like to see the game played at 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, because you got 24 second clock anyway. I think mm-hmm. you save the players' legs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to see a four-point line. I'd love to see them take away legal defense. Which no one understands. Which nobody yeah, understands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think a legal defense is good for the game at large. Uh-huh. Um, especially if you're adding so many good big outside shooters. Now you're getting into the basketball IQ of the game is necessary when there's no illegal defense. Mm. If I can play against you one on one and nobody else can help, then I can I, I can score on you every time. If I know that that guy's coming to help, like mm. you see what I'm saying, like I, it, you're just setting it up for me. Right. I know where to pass. If I don't know what the defense is doing, yeah. Now you see magic. Mm-hmm. Now you see bird. Now you see Isaiah. You know mm-hmm. the basketball IQ and the skills and talent to go with it. You see superstars beyond what you, I mean. You have conversations with those guys about basketball. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Right. You know. Right. But that's because the the league wasn't doing that. It right. wasn't set up for guys to play one on one. Adrian Danley ain't scoring leading league in scoring. Right. You know, <laughs> fifth and playing. <laughs> now, I mean, legal defense for him was like, you know, like giving him layups every time. <laughs> so, you know, you, you have – maybe the, the real superstars come out when that happens. That's why the Olympics are so interesting. Right. To watch those guys play. So you wouldn't uh, change anything with the minimum age requirement or anything? No. Nah. I, I, personally, I'd rather see them all go to college. Right. You know. Well, I think it makes the college game better. I think it makes fundamentals better than the Yeah, and I'd pay those guys. And I wouldn't make them go to class. Really? Here's what I do. I'd, I'd say you have to go to class for one. You have to you have to go to class for at least one class per semester, but your scholarship lasts for a lifetime. So when you're done playing, you come back here and you get your education. That's huh. what I would say. And I would say we're paying you ten grand a semester to, to be here, and you're going to be you're we're working for us anyway. Right. But why are we making you go to school? Right. Try to pretend to be an athlete, just student. Right. You, you can't. You're traveling all over the country playing for us. Yeah. And then we're trying to get, trying to pretend like you're, you know, yeah, student athlete. Student athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's just pay you done, and then come back when you're done, mm. and, we'll, and we'll hook you, up and we'll we'll make you a student, and then you can go on and do from there. That's what I would say. That's great. Well, I could talk all day, Josh. You got anything else? I got nothing, man. I'm, I'm spent. <laughs> okay, so um, I guess as we watch the Lakers this year, who are you more excited to see out of the uh, the new faces? Yeah, my favorite player was Russell in the draft. Okay. Yeah, two years ago. So I've I've always felt like he's really special. I'm glad they they hung on to him. I I think this oh, could yeah. be really good. Yeah, and I think go. I mean so much of the NBA is IQ. I think Brandon Ingram is mm-hmm. is smart. Obviously, mm-hmm. you got to be smart to play at Duke. Yeah. Um, if he just put some weight on, so that'd be uh, yeah. I keep feeding him, but I think I think D'Angelo Russell is special. Yeah. So I think he's gonna be good. Be fun to watch. All right. Thanks a ton. It'll be yeah. fun to enjoy, and uh, we'll catch up somewhere during the season. Thanks for having. me. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We're really glad that you chose to be part of the podcast. Again, submit your questions to hashtag RGPodcast. And we'd love for you to go to iTunes and to write a review of the podcast. That helps us out so much. Spread the word, share it with others, and we'll talk to you next time.